Radio app is available now in your app store or Google Play. No matter your device, download the WYLK News Radio app to stream your favorite WYLK talk shows. Check out the news, email the station, and join the conversation with our talkback feature. Plus, we send breaking news, weather, and traffic alerts right to your smartphone. Take WYLK News Radio with you wherever you go. WYLK FM, HD1 of Oka, WYLK Wilkesbury, WBZU Scranton, WKZM West Hazleton, Northeast PA's News Radio. News, I'm Chuck Sieverton. Insults flying on Twitter between the U.S. President and a Senator from his own party over the past hours. President Trump just responding to this comment from Senator Bob Corker, Tennessee Republican, making this comment last Wednesday. Secretary Tillerson, Secretary Mattis, and uh, Chief of Staff Kelly uh, are those people that help separate our country from chaos. Two days later, Presidential Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. The president is the one that's keeping the world from chaos. He has an incredible team around him that's helping him lead that effort, and um, he's had tremendous accomplishments on the international stage. Now, four days after Corker's comment, now the president tweeting Senator Corker in his words begged him to endorse him for re-election in Tennessee. He said he said no, and he dropped out, claiming Corker said he could not win without the endorsement. Also said Corker wanted to be Secretary of State. Senator Corker's response this past hour on Twitter, quote, it's a shame the White House has become an adult daycare center. Someone obviously missed their shift this morning. After some deadly destructive hurricanes in the past weeks, comparatively less dangerous hurricane, then Tropical Storm Nate is just being downgraded to a depression. Nate hit the mouth of the Mississippi River last night. Utility crews are out restoring electricity. Mobile, Alabama got the brunt of the storm with flooding and outages. ABC's Maggie Rooley in Mobile. The worst of the storm is over. Nate has already been downgraded to a tropical storm, potentially a tropical depression by as early as tonight. The storm is moving fast. It is already making its way out of the region. Now the big concerns are heavy rains and flash flooding as the storm moves inland. San Juan, Puerto Rico's Mayor Carmen Yulin Cruz tweeting about a power collapse in a hospital and patients being transferred and after reaching out to FEMA hearing nothing. Well, on ABC's This Week, FEMA Director Brock Long responding that they are on it. You're listening to ABC News. This is a special announcement for all Americans who owe back taxes to the IRS or state. Pay attention. There's a special toll-free hotline set up especially for you. This hotline will give you free information on how you can legally reduce or eliminate your tax debt. Call the taxpayer hotline today at 800-441-1943. Grab a pen or put the number in your cell phone. 800-441-1943. You'll speak with qualified professionals who tell you how to stop the collection calls, IRS letters, bank levies, and wage garnishments. And they'll deal directly with the IRS on your behalf, so you don't have to. Even if you haven't filed returns or you already are in a payment plan, you can still get relief. New IRS settlement policies have opened the doors for a fresh start. But hurry, this won't last forever, and your tax problem will only get worse if you do nothing or try to handle it yourself. It makes a big difference in who you call. So call the taxpayer hotline today for free information. 800-441-1943. 800-441-1943. Brought to you by South Coast Tax. Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Noreen Clark. Unsettled this afternoon. We'll have clouds and maybe some sun. High of 79. Warm and muggy tonight. After midnight, rain showers, thunder, and downpours. A low 68. Columbus Day Monday, rain, thunder, and downpours. High of 75. Tuesday, partly sunny and nice. High 77. Increasing clouds Wednesday. Scattered afternoon and nighttime showers. And a high of 70. You're listening to WILK AM and 103.1 FM. 
In a world of ordinary chicken, one name stands out. Chester's. Chester's Chicken has arrived. Two convenient locations, 1545 West Front Street, Berwick, and 325 Laurel Street, Pittston, with the coldest beer and best prices in town. Did you know slow internet can actually hold your business back? Say goodbye to slow downloads, slow backups, slow everything. Comcast Business offers blazing fast and reliable internet that's over six times faster than slow internet from the phone company. Say hello to fast internet speeds up to 250 megabits per second. Plus, did you know that in addition to fast internet, you can also add TV and phone for your business for just an additional $34.90 a month. Comcast Business TV helps keep your employees informed. And you get full-featured phone service with unlimited local and long-distance calls. And did you know, all this is only a phone call away? Call 800-501-6000. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends 10, 15, 17. Restrictions apply. Limited one voice line and private view TV for new customers. Two-year contract required. Requires Comcast Business Internet and an additional monthly charge. Equipment taxes and fees extra. Compares Comcast 250 megabits per second and 40 megabits per second DSL downloads. Migraine is a disabling disease affecting over 36 million Americans. The American Migraine Foundation helps people living with migraine to find the support and treatment they need. Make your move against migraine at AmericanMigraineFoundation.org. Premium Midwest Beef is rolling their truck into the Fumont Mall parking lot. Right now is your chance to buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. Yeah, you heard right. 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. Stock up your freezer for the entire season. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. And that's not all. There are incredible bulk deals on other premium steaks, seafood, gourmet boneless chicken, and mouth-watering pork. Just look for their big truck and the big tent in the Viewmont Mall parking lot. Compare these deals to Omaha Steaks. Nobody in Lackawanna County can compete with these prices. Nobody. Don't miss your chance to fill your grill with premium Midwest beef in the Viewmont Mall parking lot. Open from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty. Buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks or other incredible bulk deals on premium steak, seafood, chicken, or pork. It's the premium Midwest beef truck sale daily from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty. Only in the Viewmont Mall parking lot. Meat and a lot of it. WILK Studios in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. Sharing Recovery is sponsored by Clearbrook Treatment Center, Serenity Lodge, Attorney Jason Mattioli, and Archstone Recovery Center. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of Intercom Communications staff, management, or sponsors. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And hello and welcome to Sharing Recovery. We're happy that you chose time to uh, spend with us this afternoon. I'm Suzanne Kelly and I have fellow host Jack Kropp with me, who on September 16th celebrated 19 years of recovery. That is awesome, Jack. Congratulations. Now, Sharing Recovery is about help, hope, and healing. We believe that recovery is possible, yet we also know that too often silence equals death. 
Now, today we're going to ask the question, do addicts deserve jail time? Should addicts receive treatment instead of being incarcerated? Our guests today include criminal defense attorney Jason Mattioli from Scranton, and we have Ed Walsh, case manager at the Wright Center. Hello and welcome to the WILK studios. It's great to have you both with us. Um, Jason, I'm just going to ask you this, throw this out to you for the first question. Um, so I go home and I find out that my, my house is ransacked, uh, my jewelry is stolen, um, valuables that have had been in generations are gone, everything's missing. And this individual that, you know, did this, that basically trashed my home and part of my life, did this because he or she is on drugs and they needed a fix. So you're saying basically that that individual should not serve any jail time. I, I think that's kind of what, what we're talking about here. Well, it's not as, and I want to thank you guys for allowing me to come on here today. It's not as black and white as the question is portrayed. Uh, a lot of factors have to go into that. Number one, the court's going to look at a punishment. There has to be punishment for your actions. Okay. But there also has to be a real a rehabilitation aspect. And that's because you know, absent a murder or an extremely serious crime, these, these people are going to be back on the street again. Putting them in jail, not giving them the proper tools and education on how to live a clean and sober life, because I'm sure everybody at some point says, hey, you know what, I'm sick of drugs, let's get clean and sober. That thought might last for about two minutes, then they get out of jail or on bail or whatnot, then they get around, we've all heard the term people, places, and things. They get around certain people, places, and things, and they're right back to where they were. So to answer your question, the judges are going to look at, and society is going to look at the effort that that person is going to put forward towards recovery. And there's also a lot of other factors you have to look in. Is it their first offense? Is it their third offense? Is this person a career criminal? If they're a career criminal, they're going to get uh, a, a, an extremely long sentence because the more you get arrested and the more you either plead guilty or are convicted, you, you, you accure points. And the more points you have, the more severe the punishment is down the road, which, which would make sense. And our legal justice system does not make sense a lot, but, but that aspect of it does. So to answer your question coming from me, I am an extremely strong believer of rehabilitation first and foremost see how that person does during rehabilitation, and then let's put our best foot forward in front of the judge and he makes the decision. Okay, now we're very interested in hearing what you have to say to our listeners. You can call us with five at 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Of course, you don't have to use your name when you call in. Um, all calls are treated confidential. confidential. Um, Jack, what about your experiences? Well, let me, let's walk the cat back here for a second. How much, how often do you find that drugs are a factor in the crimes you're seeing? Uh, I would say a staggering percentage. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a theft or a DUI or a fight or some type of violent offense. It's and not just drugs; it's alcohol as well. And I think we had a little bit of a. A glitch there. A little but, bit of a glitch. But uh, it, it, it could be a combination of both. But And, and Jack, like, like we, had, we were all talking about beforehand, the opiate problem is out of control. And we're not just talking. And we all think about the opiate problem. We think, oh, it's some guy going on a corner buying a, a bag of drugs off some shady dude. No. You're getting them from your doctor. You're getting them from your dentist. dentist. You're getting them from your psychiatrist. So it, it, it's, it's, that's a, a huge part of the problem. But I would say drugs and alcohol... Are, have a staggering percentage in being involved in most of the crimes that are being committed these days. 
Okay, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Jason. Uh, you know, part of the penal system says that we're supposed to rehabilitate people when they when they have problems that uh, involve them in the criminal justice system. However, the old style penal system does not rehabilitate. It just houses people. And then we send them back out there without any tools. Currently, though, uh, certain prisons have treatment centers built right into them. And anybody that has a sentence for drug offenses is mandated to go to these programs. Are any, are any of these uh, prisons, is this in, in northeastern Pennsylvania, for instance? Uh, yes, you have um, uh, Graterford, I believe, has one. Camp Hill has one. Um, Muncie has one for the women. And there's several others in the, in the penal system that have them. Okay. We need to take a break right now, but uh, we'll be back in a few minutes, and we're going to be talking more about does the addict need to be in jail, receive treatment, or in this case, both. We'll be right back. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 855- 899-2292. Together, we can turn a stairwell into an ER at a moment's notice. Together, we can turn a rescue ship for refugees into a maternity ward. Together, we can vaccinate 710,000 people in just 11 days. Together, we can deliver medical care where the need is greatest. Together, we are Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders goes where others don't to provide life-saving medical care to people caught in crisis situations around the world. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. 
Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Today we are talking about treatment versus incarceration. Do addicts deserve jail time? Um, Obviously, they commit crimes, but do they need to be solely put in jail without any rehabilitation treatment? And um, before we took our break, we were were talking about some examples of local, within northeastern Pennsylvania, um, of recovery centers that are actually part of the, uh, the incarceration system. So, Ed, could you expand on that a little bit? Like, what happened? Well, they're, they're basically uh, prisoners that are, that are in those programs are segregated from the rest of the population, and they're giving treatment on a daily basis. Uh, one-on-one counseling, group, a lot of group counseling, a lot of relapse prevention techniques, and learning new coping skills. So this basically, is it a detox situation? They can be detoxed in jail if they're actively using, but that's not the preferred method. These are usually uh, gentlemen who or women that are already sober for a short period of time, and they come into that program through their counselor at the prison. Okay. Let's let's talk. Excuse me. Let's talk about how it works from day one. A guy's driving down the street and he gets arrested for a DUI. All right. What happens next, Jason? Well, and, and this is going to be uh, uh, frightening, 95% of the time, if it's a first, second, or third offense DUI, you're not going to be incarcerated. Because remember, they can't prove you are intoxicated when you're arrested. It is, you're arrested for suspicion of DUI because you have to give blood or you can refuse. So if you give blood, it takes about the crime lab four to six weeks to come back with the evidence that you need to determine if somebody is, is operating a motor vehicle impaired or under the influence. But where I believe the issue that you talk about is when we come to that person's preliminary hearing, and right off the bat, you're going to, as a defense attorney, you want to show the prosecution that this guy or the girl is not a bad person, they made a mistake, and they're starting to take steps towards their recovery. So I will say, okay, let's. here's what my guy's going to do or girl's going to do. Rehab, then, I, then intensive outpatient. 90 and 90, which is 90A, meetings in 90 days, get a home group, get a sponsor. The DA, the prosecutor will say, okay, that's all fine and well, but we want to make sure they're doing what they're doing. So we're going to make them either do the color system, and for those who aren't aware, that's where you have to call and do probation. Like, we'll use Lackawanna County for an example. You have to call the probation every day, I believe, around 6 in the morning. And if your color gets called, you have to get right down there and get tested. If you don't show up, you go to jail. If you test hot, you go to jail. That's where most of the people that we represent get jammed up early. It's because they get arrested, they have this charge or charges uh, over their head, and they still use. That, that's when it's time to get your rear end in gear. So you, you get thrown in jail. You get okay. thrown in jail for a bail violation. So now we jump over to Ed. And 
Jason has a, a client, they're jammed up like this. Now they come in for an assessment. Jason says to you or to another treatment program, can you take a look? What happens then? Well, we sit down with the patient and we discuss the whole background and history of their usage, what their family life is like. Uh, are they employed, unemployed? Do they have any children? We want to see what stresses are in their life. Um, and then we move forward, then making a determination of what level of care they need to be in. Okay, you say what level of care. What are some of the levels of care? Like, where do we start in the level of care? At? Well, for most, most of uh, the patients that come to us, we start with looking at do they need a detox? Do they need to get detoxified from the uh, alcohol, from the heroin, from whatever drugs they're taking? That's usually a five to seven day process. If they're on benzodiazepines like Xanax and stuff, it could go up to 21 days to get it out of their system. And then from there, we'll move on to, do they need to be in regular outpatient once a week? Do they need IOP? Do they need partial hospitalization? Or do they need straight inpatient treatment? All righty. So now we have this, we have a patient, client. You've seen them, Jason's seen them, and you've made a recommendation. All right. Now that patient, Jason, decides, I don't want to do this. And they want to go about whatever they were doing until they face their court. What happens if they don't participate in the program? They're going to get a harsh sentence. You're, 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 you know, you're thumbing your nose at the court because even, let's say, for example, it's your first DUI. Now, nine times out of ten, unless you have a prior record, you're going into what's called the ARD program, which, by, which just means you're going to get probation and an expungement. If you don't do anything towards or put forth any type of rehabilitative effort, especially second or third offense, the judge is going to look at you like you don't want to learn your lesson. And... The, you guys brought up earlier about the scenario about a house being robbed. Now, to us, that sounds like the worst thing that can happen. It's a total invasion of your privacy. Mm -hmm. You have things stolen. Um, it's one thing to have monetary things stolen, but your emotional attachments, are, they can never be brought back to you. Again, that hurts. But a DUI is 200 times worse than a burglary because when you're on that road intoxicated, you're putting everybody at risk. Every driver, every pedestrian, even people in their own homes. You've seen it lately, people crashing their cars sure. into somebody's living room. That crime, is, those type of crimes, the DUIs, uh, are, uh, I would say, are a lot, are in greater need of a rehabilitative effort. So if you have a second or third offense and you don't do what you're supposed to do, the judge is going to think, this is not the second or the third time in your life you've operated a motor vehicle intoxicated. It's the second or third time that you got caught. And they're going to make sure that you're punished. But then they're going to give you a rehabilitative tale. And that's where Ed comes in. Where they're going to say, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do 90. You're going to do six months. You're going to do a year in prison. But when you get out of jail, you're going to have a five-year tale, five years of probation, where you have to do outpatient treatment and successfully complete. Then you have to do AA and a sponsor. We're going to put you on color. So they're going to put a hammer over your head to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Okay, now that, that all sounds very good and, and it makes sense. It makes sense in theory. A question that many may have is who pays for this? You know, we, we have, um, it is it is expensive to incarcerate someone. It's expensive to house someone in jail for whether it be 30, 60, 90 days or several years. But if you add this expense on top of that, which I'm sure this doesn't come for free, okay, who, is, who you know, has to have the burden of this cost? Who pays for it? Well, there's, there's several different ways that it's paid for. It could be paid for out-of-pocket private pay. It could be paid through uh, 
general insurance like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, or it could be paid through county funding. There's different fundings. Other and treatment centers like Clearbrook, Marworth, they give out scholarships also for free care for patients. Okay, so now we have we have somebody who's starting on this path of treatment. They go to an inpatient facility. What happens? Well, they come in if they need to be detoxed, then they're going to medicate them, detox them. But even while they're in detox, they're immediately meeting with a primary counselor who, again, reviews their whole family system that I had already did. They want to review it again because they want to make sure they're getting the truth from the patient. And they're going to continue to ask them the, those questions throughout treatment. Then, the, then they're in group sessions and individual sessions. And how long will a person spend in a treatment program? It can go, depending on their insurance and the facility itself, 14 to 28 days, unless they go to an extended care, care facility after that, which is a 90-day program, which all the statistics show that the longer that we keep a patient engaged in some form of treatment, the better the statistics of recovery and no recidivism is. Okay. okay. I'm sorry. Go okay. ahead. So now they come out of that 28 days. And now they're going to participate in a recovery program of some sort, a 12-step program, I'm going to assume, of some sort. Now, Jason, they come back to you and say, I've done this. I've gone through the 28 days. I'm going to a recovery program every day of the week or five times a week. What's the next step in the criminal side of it? Well, the next step is to make sure that we document everything that, that, that the client has done. Like when you go to a facility such as Clearbrook, they'll send me a letter that they're here. And here is their tentative end date. Then they'll send me a letter when the client successfully completes that day. I have to get that to the court because if I don't tell the court, you see how many people are being arrested. They don't have time to check on everybody. That's my job. So we have to do the heavy lifting. We get the documentation from like Clearbrook. We send it to them. Then we make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do in intensive outpatient treatment. Now, you say when people complete the program. Are there people that don't complete the treatment? Absolutely. Program? Absolutely. Okay, now we back up over, bounce back over to you, Ed. What happens when a person leaves treatment that, that doesn't complete a program? Do you take them back? We, we will take them back into treatment again. We never want to give up hope that we can get a patient to really switch over to the recovery side of things because you don't know if it's the first time, second, or third time that's going to work. So you've seen relapse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now that person relapses, they go back into a treatment program for a second time or a third time. Where, what is the benefit to that? I, I'm, well, because if it doesn't work the first time, I, and I, I'm playing the devil's advocate here because I obviously know the answers. But to the people listening to this show who have a child or a husband or a, a grandmother who's already been through treatment three or four times, who Jason's already represented three times, why do you keep doing it? Well, because we don't want to see the patient die. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that anybody can see, have is that their child dies from this. And in this county alone, the death rate from overdoses right now is astronomical. Okay, that was a question I have, um, Ed, and for Jason, actually. In your experience, how many crimes, um, let's just take northeastern Pennsylvania, how many crimes are related to drug or alcohol abuse? Uh, a ton. I'd say out of the, the, I've been doing this 15 years, I'd say between 80 and 90%. Yeah. But if I can bounce back just to something, I think this is very important that, that, that you guys touched on earlier and Jack just talked about, about somebody leaving rehab. Well, there's two trains of thought with that. Number one, the 
client, everybody in around the client, their family, their husband or wife, their kids, their friends, everybody wants to see this person get better. It's not up to them. It is up to that client yeah. to want to do it. And then the second, the third time, hey, I know people that went to rehab 20, 21 times, and they got it on the 21st time. And I have a, a, a friend, I won't throw his name out there, it took him 19 times to get it. And he's been sober for 10 years. 19 times. So it's not, and it, it shouldn't be zero tolerance. And we have to educate the public that just because somebody falls flat on their face, you got to give them another chance. Right, and this is where we started this conversation. Would it would it be better to incarcerate a fellow like that you're referring to? In my opinion, no. No. You know, we, we touched a little bit about it, and, and none of us actually have the expertise in this area, but we've touched about treatment programs in prison. Well, I could speak from a personal experience that I spent nine months in a program in prison, in, in, a, in a drug and alcohol treatment program in the state of New York called ASAT, Alcohol and Substance Abuse Treatment. What I found in that program was 99% of the people in that program weren't there to recover. Mm -hmm. They were there because it reduces the time sure. you're going to spend mm -hmm. being incarcerated. The window dressing, as right. the, okay. the courts call it. They're going to sit in that program because your sentence, if your minimum is 18 months, you can get out in 15 if you complete this program. So I don't put a lot of faith into any institution such as a prison helping anybody in a treatment program. I also don't believe anybody should be incarcerated when they're, as, as a a newbie, a first-time offender, a second-time offender. It's not the answer. The answer is a treatment program. The answer is abstinence. But this is what we got to figure out. How do we get it to where the, whole, the population looks at it that way? Well, I think, Jack, one of the things we got to do is really let people understand the ripple effect when somebody uses. You know, it affects all areas yeah. of the whole area, Absolutely. not just that family. It affects the employers. It affects the person walking down the street, the taxpayers, and the law enforcement officers get taxed because they're always rearresting the same people. Okay. Are, are dealers typically users? Or are they shrewd enough to not get involved? They're just selling the stuff. Uh, there's two types. There's the dealer that sells to maintain their, their, their livelihood or their, or, their, or their ability to get high. Those are dealers, in my experience, that don't normally push a lot of weight because if you're a hardcore addict and you have a pound of heroin or seven or eight ounces of cocaine sitting in front of you, you're going to do it and okay. you're going to die. It's the worst is when you have the dealers that sell that don't use drugs. And I call it the trifecta. If I have somebody that is not from the area, that moved here, doesn't have a job, and we're not talking about here for a week or two, we're talking about being here for three or four years and sells drugs, <clears throat> I tell them, you're in big trouble. Because you are, you are coming to this area, you're poisoning the area for one thing, for greed. So that is a nightmare. Now, on the other side of the coin, where you have the people that sell to maintain uh, their ability to stay high, the police can tell right off the bat what type of person that was. And they need, and Ed, Ed could back me up, they need to be detoxed immediately because they're probably hardcore users that haven't seen a day of sobriety for five, six, maybe a decade. So there's two types, basically. All right, so you just mentioned that the, the police identify somebody that needs to be detoxed. Not the police. The, the, they'll know, though. They'll know. They'll say, All right, hey. because a police, but when you get arrested for DUI or for dry, or possession, 
that police officer is not going to sit down and talk to you about how to get a detox. Are they the detectives in Lackawanna County? Absolutely will, and they, they will. do that because they see it so much. And like the Detective Harold Zeck, Detective Johnny Mullen, these guys make more arrests than we than we than we breathe. I mean, they they make tons of arrests, and they they try to educate these people. It's not all about hey, let's arrest them and throw them in jail. Okay. It's about let's help. Them. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 855- 899-2292. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. This is WYLK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet Buick GMC, online at SherwoodChevrolet.com. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery, straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. Um, and welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Our guest today, uh, criminal defense attorney Jason Mattioli from Lackawanna County. And we also have Ed Walsh, who is the case manager at the Wright Center. And again, we welcome your calls with questions or comments. We are also on Facebook Live. Um, we want to hear from you, good, bad, indifferent, but we want to hear feedback. We want to know what you're thinking. Today's topic is treatment, not incarceration. Should individuals who are users, who are abusers, those who... Um, have DUIs, those who, um, you know, commit crimes because they are either high or they are, they are trying to, to help their, their feed their addiction. Um, do they deserve jail time? Um, 
and this is a very hot topic. It's a very sensitive and, and sore topic. But, you know, when I was listening to Jason before the break, it seems that Lackawanna County kind of has already has something in place as far as having treatment drug court as part of this rehabilitation process because, you know, actually you know, jail time is supposed to be about rehabilitation, where maybe some other the other counties. I'm not sure if Luzerne County yeah, has let, anything like that in Lu- place. Luzerne County, they have a, a, a drug court program also. But Jason, being from Lackawanna County, has more experience with the Lackawanna County Court Drug Program. Tell us about that the drug court program, Jay. Drug court is run by Judge Mike Brace, and he literally bends over backwards to help everybody in his drug court program. Now, this is not something that you can automatically get into because, Jack, you brought up a great point while we were talking on break uh, that people sometimes just do these things to get out of trouble or to receive less punishment. Well, there is, if I wanted to get a client in the drug court, what happens is I have to, number one, there has to be certain offenses. He can't get in the drug court if he's a dealer, okay? He's got to be a user. He or she has to be a user, okay? And I have to submit what's called a drug court application, which, gets, which, which number one, goes to the district attorney. He's got to approve it. And once the district attorney approves it, then it goes to the Lackawanna Drug Court Board or personnel. Then they have to review it. And they do an extensive review. They call the individual in. They interview them. They determine what their motives are. And I've had, I've had more clients rejected for drug court than I have accepted. And that's just because some way along the line, the people, other people felt that they weren't doing this because they were sincere. Then if, if drug court gives you the thumbs up, then it's up to Judge Barace. Then what happens is you bring them up in front of Judge Barace and you, what, what's called, you plead them in the drug court. And when you plead them in the drug court, you have to plead to all the offenses that they were arrested for. And if you, if you fail or get thrown out of, for lack of a better term, drug court, then you have, you're sentenced on those offenses. Nine times out of ten, you'll be sent to what's called the SIP program, but that's a whole different situation. What's an SIP program? Uh, It's a two-year program here in the state of Pennsylvania. What it is, it's in three parts. Your first, give or take seven months, are in straight incarceration at state prison. Your second seven months, uh, you will be in a lockdown alcohol treatment facility, like the one that, that Jack was talking about before. And then the last seven months, the last third of that SIP program is you're in a halfway house. But the problem with that is, let's say you did three or four months in jail before you get into drug court, none of that counts as credit. So you're starting all over again. So that's a lot of incentive to stay clean and sober. How long does drug court last, Jason? Uh, uh, normally two to three years. And then when you graduate from, from drug court, you have another probationary tail. Two to three years? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an intense program. It, it is not just, hey, you're in this program, you can glide through. It, you have to go, in the beginning, it's done in phases. You're there almost every Thursday, and you are getting peppered with, with, with your reviews by different people, by your different counselors in trucker. And there's about maybe 15 to 20. You miss a meeting, guess what? You're going to jail for the weekend. You miss two meetings, guess what? You're going to jail for a week as a slap on the wrist. They give you enough rope, but when you hang yourself, you're done. And they're very intensive with drug court. Uh, not only do they talk about trying to keep people out, out of incarceration, but they also provide many case management services, like helping them find a job yep. that will accept someone that's in the criminal justice system and has the ability to say to them, on Thursdays, you know, you go there first, and then when you're done, you come to work. Because that's hard to do 
with people who are on that program. They right. find a job. What employer is going to say to you, go ahead and take whatever time you need off every day, every week? So the drug court actually has a counselor that will help set this up. Oh, multiple. Yes. Multiple okay. counselors. I, we're like, I mean, I, you go in the court on drug court Thursdays, you will see 15 to 20 counselors. And a lot of these counselors work at all the local uh, facilities. You'll see them from Marworth. You'll see them from Clearbrook. You'll see them from A Better Today. You'll see them from DATS. And it's it really integrates the uh, the, the local facilities the lo that, that all put their best foot forward okay. to help everybody recover. That was a question that I was going to ask you, and you kind of beat me to it, but this is good because I was thinking in the back of my mind, well, so does Lackawanna County or does any county, for instance, have a an agreement with maybe one treatment center or two treatment centers kind of like... You know, we want the business. We're going to bid on this business for the year. I mean, it doesn't go out to like a a, a proposal type of thing. No, it's no, there's many, no many. Okay, there's no businesses. There's no business side Good. to okay. recovery. It's hey, if you want to come and volunteer your time for free and help these people, the counselors, we're all for it. But no one's getting a paycheck except the county employees, obviously. But, but no one else, no one from the facilities are getting a per diem or paycheck to show up. They're all there out of the goodness of their hearts. So, Jason, a person on the street right now that's actively using, that's already been in trouble a couple of times, can they just walk in and say, I want to be in drug court? Well, they have to be arrested. They, ha they can't. They have to be arrested. You have to have that hammer hanging over your head. In a, if a person on the street wants to get recovery, that's where Ed comes right. in. So a guy walking down the street today, Ed, that says, you know what, today's it. How do I get help? And, and again, we started this radio show about spreading that word about spreading the word of help. How does a person who has nothing, no insurance, no family, no support, no job, how do they get help at? Well, if they're from Lackawanna County or Luzerne County, Wayne County, wherever, they have to first approach uh, the single county authority that will do an assessment and then see if they have the monies to fund them to go to outpatient or inpatient if they don't have anything. They can also call a treatment center on their own. They could call DATS, they could call Clearbrook, they could call the right center, and we'd be glad to direct them where we could get them to and uh, and just basically get them the help they need as quickly as possible. So th there is help available for everyone. Yep. It's just how do we find that help? So I'm, again, I'm confused by one thing. You're saying they can call the single county authority. All right, well, I'm a guy walking down the street right now. What in God's name is the single county authority? What, is there a helpline? Is there some place to turn right now with nothing? Yeah, there, there are helplines out there. You can go online and, and find the numbers also. But word of mouth between the addictive community, everybody knows if they're actively using, they've heard where to go for help. All right. Now, I'm a mother and father, Jason, and my, my child has got this problem. What, what is the role of the parent or the husband or the wife in, in this situation? How, how do they get involved with you and the client? Well, it, it, it depends. It, uh, I would imagine that their child has been arrested. If they're with you, they probably are, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, they would call me, and it would depend on if the child or if their, 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 their child is incarcerated or not. If, if they're incarcerated, I would go down to the jail to see them immediately. Uh, if they're not, I would try to get them in the office immediately, and we would talk about a treatment plan. And I would say the same thing 
to the client and their parents, as I said to you. You guys want your son or daughter to get help. I'm sure you do, but it's got to be up to them. If they're not going to put their best foot forward, this is a waste of time and a waste of money. So let's sincerely talk about what we want to do. Since we've been doing these shows for the last few weeks, every person who has been in recovery, um, who has sat in, in those chairs, um, they all said the same thing. Recovery is available and help is available, but you have to want it. Yep. It's something that isn't just going to happen. You're the one who has to want it. You're the one who has to work for it. And not only do you have to go through the recovery, but like Jack said, I would say, oh, Jack, it's great. Like you're sober for 19 years. And he'd say, no, I'm sober today because yeah. it truly is one day at a time. And we so much want to stress that people are more than their addiction, that they're more than their disease. And that's how we view um, alcohol, drug addiction, whether you're dual addicted. Um, and is that something that is pretty much across the board in courts as well as treatment centers. I mean, you really do, you know, you, you know, attorneys, judges, you see a lot of bad stuff. Um, are you able, or sometimes is it difficult to see the person beyond the addiction? In the beginning, it's very hard. And it's not just hard for me to see them. That person doesn't even know who they are. That person has used, if they're that far deep, we're not talking about a couple months, we're talking about, like you said, years of, of addiction they don't know who they are and what's really saddening is you see these young people coming in 17 18 hooked on heroin hooked on crack hooked on anything they can get their hands on they haven't even begun to develop into the person that they want to be in their life so when they get come into early sobriety they don't know who they are or who they want to be that's why the 12-step programs are so heavily important because they can help you shape <laughs> To, they don't force you to who you're going to be, but they can help you shape and, and bring you along that path to say, hey, you know, since you're sober, why don't you try this? What are your interests? Why don't you try that? I mean, it's tough. I, I, I probably will never get to know the true person until it's a couple of years down the road. And I hope if I see them, it's a couple of years down the road. It's at drug court where they're there to support someone else. Because I can tell you what, I have a lot of clients that come in and out. Okay, in great. And out over the years. We're going to be um, right back. We need to take a break. Mm -hmm. Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. 
Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855-899-2292. I can't get into the mind of a psychopath. A Las Vegas concert and the unthinkable. We have recovered 23 firearms at Mandalay Bay and 19 firearms at his home in Mesquite. I wanted to pay my respects, kind of try and relieve some hurt. We had no knowledge of this individual. We're dealing with a very, very sick individual. What happens next happens here. We've all been affected by this. WILK News Radio. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. We have about 10 minutes left in today's show. I do want to go to the phones. We have Betty on the line from Lackawanna County. Hi there, Betty. Hi. I am a mother of a heroin addict who is, um, since about 2011, he started with the, uh, the marijuana, the pills, dual drugs, everything, cocaine. He's done all of it. Right now, he is in a pre-release center. He's doing well. He's been there since June 18th. First, he was put in jail, and then uh, he's in a pre-release center. He's working out of the program, out where he's staying. He's working. They have him, and he's he has a schedule. He's not up all night. He's getting healthier. But my concern is the aftercare, which he's a very stubborn person. He doesn't. He was in three different rehabs. He left the rehab and went to Pittsburgh, and he was missing. And the whole thing, I have. Uh, I just want him to live, and the recovery is what I'm concerned about because he's going to be released from the pre-release center um, the end of March of this year. And uh, his father was a heavy marijuana user, and also he used a lot of uh, other things, um, drugs, but uh, we have been separated for a long period of time. And this is my youngest son. He is 27 years old. that's my concern. The aftercare is so important. I know that. You know, I had my son here with me, living with me, and I, you know, I lived it. And that's my question. So, Betty, if I understand your question is, what do we do next? What's the next step? When he gets released from the pre-release center, yes. Why don't you I help us with this him. question, Ed? Excuse me? Well, I think, Betty, I think one of the things that has to happen with your son is that he, he's definitely got to be in some type of continuing care after he's released. Yes. Uh, preferably in his case, I would say that they, he should be going to uh, either a halfway house or at least a sober house with an IOP outpatient involved in, in his care. And if he's going to be on probation or parole, you as a parent, what you can do is you can actually call the pre-release center and tell them this is what I'd like to see happen for my son. Even if he doesn't have the funding, they can call someone like us and 
ask us to do some referral work for them and maybe even go see him at the pre-release center and set things up in motion prior to his release. Because yeah. if it's not set up prior to, he, he's probably rehab. not going to do it. I'm afraid of the rehab because he already, I had, he already had overdosed twice. And this has been going on since 2011. I, I was not aware of it. He was living with his father mm-hmm. in another county. And um, I, I didn't realize it. He was in the hospital for the pills. And I didn't realize, it. of course, the HEPA laws. This was in another county. So this is, uh, I, I just worry about him. And I, I mean, he's so different now. He's, it looks like the demon is out of his face, his eyes. Everything has changed. He's lost, he, you know, like he was down to a skeleton. But I can't, that's the past. I have to think of now. I do go visit him every Saturday. He has visits, and he wasn't, when he was incarcerated, I went to visit him also. I just cannot give hope. I can't give up hope on him, and, you know, I, I'm, I think about it every day, but, um, I just want to do the right thing so he can have a life. Betty, I'm going to say something now. Most parents don't like hearing this. Okay. You've got to take care of you. Yep. You can't fix your son. Okay. I know. You, you, can't, you can't force him to go to a 12-step program. You can't force him to be clean. You can't force him to turn his life around. But, but I hear in your voice what pain you are in. And there are 12-step programs for family members. And there are support systems for family members. And I thought I didn't need that anymore because in the beginning of when I did find out back in 2011, I did have time to go to them. But now I was working at the time and it, it, um, I couldn't do it. It was the nighttime meetings. But I, I, I realize now, speaking to you, I thank you so much. Betty, I'm in recovery. And I've been in recovery 19 years. But I still go to meetings almost every day. As a family member... Your participation in recovery doesn't end when you think it's okay. You've got to continue to go and participate in that family program of recovery every day. So you have the support of people just like you. You're not alone. There are thousands and thousands of moms just like you here in the Northeast that can support you and help you through this. You take care of you. You pray for your son. But he's got to get into a, a recovery program once he gets home on a daily basis. He's, he's not going to come home here. He's not going to be living with me. I don't. His father is now in another state. His father left last November 1st of last year. Well, there's recovery programs in every state in this country and every, and every country in this world. There's so, recovery programs. My, my issue is his father is everyday marijuana use, and he's living in, in, in another state with my older son. And they both do the, the marijuana every day, every day, every day, every day. That's one of the reasons that my husband and I uh, just split up because I'm an anti. I don't do any of that. I'm not judging people. I understand. Betty, you can't fix your husband, your other son, the son that's incarcerated. You can't fix any of them. You need to take care of yourself, Betty. You can only control what you can control. And like Jack said, lots of parents don't like to hear this, Betty. Tough love. If he's home and he does not want to get help, I mean, there's a fine line between tough love and enabling. And parents, I've seen parents enable their kids right into the grave. So what Jack said is 100% the truth. If, if you're going to support him after he gets out of jail as a loving mother would and should, but yeah. if he doesn't want to turn his life around, you have to tell him, hit the road. And that's easier said than done, but that's what has to be done. Betty takes care of Betty. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thanks for calling. Betty, thank, thank you so, so much for your call. Thank you. 
that's a really good point. Um, you know, we talk about the addict, we talk about what happens, but we, we also have to remember that it's family members, it's coworkers. So many, so many of us, myself included, have, have had devastating effects due to addiction um, of loved ones, plural. And we need to focus also on taking care of ourselves and the addict needs to make that decision that he or she wants help. And again, with Jack, one day at a time. The family members get as sick or sicker than the addict himself because they're living vicariously mm-hmm. through them. You know? And the worst scenario is that someone's child dies. Mm-hmm. Then that parent, for the rest of their life, blames themselves. Yep. For someone else's actions. If only I, if only I could mm-hmm. have, if only yep. I did this and this, and it's it's torture. It's absolute torture. Well, and this this show today has been about the bad stuff. Let's for the last couple of minutes just talk about the good part of this. Jason, have you ever seen anybody recover? Oh yeah, my, bar- my partner Tom Mullen. He he and he has been sober for nine years. Uh, we've both been practicing law together for about fifteen years before he became sober. It was a total, and he loves when I say this, it was a total disaster. Drugs and alcohol on a, on a, on a, um, a, 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 a death wish. He got sober. He got it. He, it took him a while to get it. He got it. The judges call him when they, need, when they have somebody that's a hard case or, or maybe a judge's family member or friend needs help. They call him. I watch how much respect they have for him. You had Marty Heenahan on the show uh, a couple weeks back. John Knowles. They all run in the same crowd. And I watch him every Saturday and Sunday. Right now, I guarantee you, he's at my office with somebody new in recovery, taking them through the book. He, and that's part of recovery, as you know. Not just being sober, but helping others be sober. I watch him selflessly help people. I watch him represent people for free. And I'm not just talking about traffic tickets. I'm talking about major felonies for free as long as they get help. So there's a perfect example, Attorney Tom Munley, of there is light at the end of the tunnel. Ed, how about you? Do you know people that have made it, that have recovered? Hundreds of people. That are working a recovery program on a daily basis? I know hundreds of people. Myself, I'm in recovery 31 years. And I can tell you, I've seen thousands and thousands of people get sober. It happens. The biggest issue I always have said is that we can lead the person to the water. You can't make them drink it, but we got to make them thirsty. And you do that by providing the knowledge. Of, of what is available for you and what life is going to look like after you get sober because the addict doesn't believe this is it. That it, was actually my next, that's yeah. where I was going next. So, Jason, you've had clients that you've taken from trouble into a program that are doing well. Do they get jobs? Do they get lives back together? What happens then, Jason? Now they've they completed drug court. They're, now they're standing on the street saying, what's next? What's next? that you see, Jason? That they go out and they become productive members of society. They find out who they are. They find a program and a home group and a sponsor, which, 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 which fits for them, and they stick with those people. And they go out and they live their life like normal people. Are there people that will hire them? Absolutely. Are, Absolutely. Are there people that go back to school? Absolutely. The are problem, they- though, is what I try not to cut you off if somebody gets a drug felon. I want that off the record because it's hard to get student loans that way. Right, that's what I'm asking you. Yes. So when you have that, when you have a felony on your record, can you go to college? You know, can you get a job? I mean, what happens? You, and we've all heard this before. You could do anything if you put your mind to it. And people, we know there are tons of people out there that have had problems and that have overcome them. And they become productive members of society. But, and I'm sure you guys would agree, 
when they become productive, what they can't do is forget about where they came from. Mm-hmm. They have to stick with their home group. They have to stick with AA because you see it. They'll stop calling their sponsor. And then they'll stop going to, going to AA. And they'll stop going to 12-step programs. Then what will happen is they will uh, think, oh, I can go out. I can have a beer like everybody else. And then it's off to the races. Mm-hmm. It's total abstinence. I mean, you can't have just one. There is no just one because one will equal two, three, four, five, and, and down the road. And I think a big thing, too, is um, the shame factor. I think um, what we also need to, to understand is that shame causes a lot of this snowball effect because you just don't have any self-esteem. It's over. It's done. I'm, my life is worthless. Like, why even try? But Jack, you don't have a shame, right? I mean, you're, you're past that. And Ed, I mean, you now work to help other people. That's right. We want to remove the stigma of addiction. Yeah. And, and that's Ed and Jason and myself and 